You know, I'm, I'm a mixed bag of, of emotions uh, this morning, and I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm joined by a number of people here as well. It's, it's been a week, it's been a weekend, it's, it's been a morning, it's been a night. Uh, and I really appreciated what, what Kyle had to say when, when he was just up here a moment a while ago as he was expressing the goodness and the mercies of, of God through the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ. Um, just the, the image of Kyle holding legend and you know, being able to see Mary, who, of course, has been away, you know, newborn and all of that, uh, to look around and see many uh, that have been in and out all summer long, uh, to know that you've been traveling. Some of you have been on the oceans. Some of you have been overseas. Some of you have boarded planes to go to different places and different spaces. Some of you have climbed mountains, and some of you have gone through valleys. Uh, and in the midst of all of this, God has brought us to July 30th, 2023. And, and you are standing or sitting by a loved one, by a neighbor, by a friend. Uh, that's proof that in spite of what we go through, we serve a good God. Um, you know, and... and like I said, it's, it's just a mixed bag of emotions this morning. And I just want to encourage us through this song, and I want to encourage us through God's word. And I pray, hope, and trust that everything that has already gone up to God has gone up to him as a sweet-smelling sieve. And everything that will go up to God will, will do just that. Just a little talk with Jesus. You guys going to help me sing this? <clears throat> I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk, and let us tell him all about. I know he will hear, and he will answer by and by when you feel a little prayerful. As your heart on to heaven is turning, you will. When Jesus makes it right, sometimes my path seems drear without a ray of cheer, and then a cloud of doubt may hide the of sin may rise and hide the starry sky but just a little talk clears the way now let us have a little talk and let us tell him all about i know he will hear and he will answer now when you feel a little prayerful as your heart on Jesus makes it right. I may have doubt 
doubts and fears My eyes be filled with tears But Jesus is a friend who day and night You know I go to him in prayer He knows my every care And just a little tongue makes it right Now let us have a little tongue And let us tell him all about I know he will hear And he will answer by and by Now when you feel a little prayerful As your heart on to heaven is You will find a little talk with Jesus Makes it right Now let us have a little talk And let us tell him all about I know he will hear And he will answer by and by Now when you feel a little prayerful As your heart on to heaven is turning You will when Jesus makes it right You know it's alright It's alright It's alright It's alright Cause just a little talk with Jesus makes it right You know it's alright It's alright Lord It's alright It's alright Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right now let us have a little talk And let us tell him all about I know he will hear our faintest cry And he will answer Now when you feel a little prayerful As your heart ought to heaven is You will find a little Jesus makes it It makes it Jesus, let us tell him all about our struggles. He will hear and he will answer by him. Now, when you feel a little prayerful. Your heart onto heaven is turning. You will find a little talk where Jesus makes it right. Makes it right. <laughs> uh, that was a good base. That was a good base. That was a good base. Church, uh, go ahead and have your seats. Go ahead and have your seats. Uh, that's all I had for you this morning. <laughs> oh my goodness! I I want to I want to bring a, a brief exhortation uh, to the brethren here this morning, and I I really intend for it to be brief. Uh, I've said that in the past, but I really do intend for it to be brief. Um, but this morning, I just want to take the opportunity to share two two really quick announcements. Uh, in the month of August, we've kind of dubbed and theming the month of August as an August month of rest for 
uh, the congregation here. And as such, what I'll be doing is uh, on the Sundays, I'll be preaching from the theme entitled Be Still, Be Still. And on Wednesdays, as far as our Wednesday night gatherings, we'll be looking at the importance and the value of rest. And so we'll be looking at rest from a theological standpoint, as well as we'll be looking at rest from a practical standpoint. And so that's, that's really what we'll be doing during the course of the month of August. And, uh, and the entire intention behind it is to really take the time to breathe. We've, we've had a breathless summer. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but, but I, I have two kids and they've, they've not been in school. I've had a breathless summer. Uh, I know our youth group has been working tirelessly. We've all had a breathless summer. Uh, and the, the, the whole idea of the, the August month of rest is so that we could really just take a deep breath we could spend some time with God, and then we could push on into the new semester and this new period uh, of fall that we are quickly being ushered into. And so we're encouraging everyone uh, to be here and be present for the Sunday morning uh, activities as well as the midweek classes and sessions, uh, and, and really, really, really try to be intentional as, as much as you can be. Uh, I know some people still have trips to make and stuff like that, but really try to be intentional about really spending time with God and uh, encouraging a Sabbath time of rest for yourself and for your families as well. Uh, but secondly, we have some, some very good friends with us. Uh, almost a couple, a few months ago now, back at the end of May, uh, I, I had asked you guys to pray for uh, a young lady. She, she, she really is like a sister to me. Her name is Techema. Uh, Willis, affectionately called Shanice, for those who find Techema might be a little bit too hard to roll off the tongue. Shanice kind of comes off the tongue a little bit easier. Uh, and so we have Techema and her husband, Clayton Willis, with us this morning. I, I want them to stand if, if they won't mind. Uh, I didn't tell them I was going to do this. But, 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 so a couple things, if, if you would just remain standing for a little bit, a, a couple things. Uh, back in late May, Techema had uh, surgery and she went in to remove some pretty large fibroids. Uh, and when she was done doing her surgery, she had a, a, a really terrible complication where she was hemorrhaging really, really badly. Uh, and she had to go back and do a, a second surgery. Uh, and they, she was under close observation. Uh, and to cut a long story short, you know, it, it was a really scary moment for a period of time. And um, <clears throat> I know it was tough on her, of course, physically and otherwise, but I, I also know it was tough on Clay, her husband, uh, who has been by her side uh, every single minute of every single day, as much as strength would have permitted while she was in there. And, um, you know, Tachima is here today after months of intense recovery. And, and, and they are here with us this morning uh, really because they are transitioning from Arkansas uh, up to New York. Um, they, they, they spent last night, they'll spend tonight, and tomorrow, uh, early in the morning, they begin a three-day trek um, to New York where, where Clay will begin his, his master's, his studies in, in a master degree, I believe it's history, 
uh, he, he received a scholarship uh, uh, to pursue his degree in, in history at Columbia University. Um, newlyweds and lovers of Christ and lovers of faith. Uh, and I just, I just wanted you to, to look at them and, and know who they are, Techima and, and Clay. Uh, and and I'm, I'm asking you, this is, this is, all, this is all by the fly. Uh, I'm asking you guys that might be inclined to, uh, to feel free to reach out to them uh, and bless them however God sees fit by you to bless them. Uh, that, all right? So uh, as God moves in your heart, I want you to reach out to them when service is over. And if you're so moved to bless them, feel free to bless them. Uh, they're moving into uncharted ter territory. They're moving away from family. Of course, Techima has been away from family now for some time, but they're literally moving away from family and they're going out on their own. Uh, and they're doing it more so by a leap of faith. And we want as best as we can to help them in their faith journey and in this new journey of life. Uh, so Techima, uh, I, I want you as well during the, the time of prayer, if you and Clay won't mind coming forward and we just want to ask one of the elders to just meet with you and pray with you. We, want, we just want to love on you before you guys leave here. All right, so go ahead and, and have your seat. So Techima and Clay, Willis, everyone. <clears throat> Now, if you don't mind, um, I want to ask you to stand with me one more time. And the exhortation is going to probably be as brief as the reading on this morning. I'm reading from the book of Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. It sounds like this as I take my reading from the New King James Version. When he, talking about Jesus, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse number two, one more time. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. <laughs> Immediately his leprosy was ushered out of his body and he was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. But go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Church, for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you from an encouragement I've entitled, There is Power 
in his touch. There is power in his touch. Look to the person next to you and say, there is power in his touch. One more time, there is power. And point to the sky in his touch. You could have your seats. While there are a, a number of themes and thoughts and uh, images that pop up within the confines of the gospel of, of Matthew, the main thrust and focus of, of Matthew's gospel account is to really showcase Yeshua as the promised Messiah. For all of the themes and all of the topics and all of the encounters and all of the miracles and, and all of the talking points that we would find in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew's main focus and thrust is to showcase Jesus, Yeshua, as being through, in truth and in fact the one who was promised as the Messiah. The term Messiah means the anointed one. It means the promised savior. The Jews were looking out for the Messiah. From the time of the prophets, there was prophecy that was made of one that would come and would be a Messiah to the Jews, but well, the Jews didn't realize that this Messiah wasn't just going to be theirs alone. For, Jesus had in, for God had intended Jesus to be not just the Messiah to one particular group of people, but he was going to be the Messiah to all of mankind. So as you think about some of the writings that you find and some of the situations that you find within the confines of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew often themes his writings in showcasing Jesus in his life, ministry, and mission as truly fulfilling those accounts of old that spoke about the Messiah that was to come. Matthew's approach is a simple approach, yet it is a detailed one as he presents Jesus to his audience. Before you make your way into chapter number eight, where we will be for the next uh, couple of minutes or so, I want us to see the progression that Matthew comes up with in showcasing Jesus in a very simplistic, though detailed way, beginning in chapter number one. In chapter number one, he talks about the genealogy from verse number one, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So as he begins to build his case, he goes to the genealogy. Then he makes his way down to verse number 22 and 23 of Matthew chapter number 1. And he shows that he fulfills, that is Jesus fulfills the virgin birth analogy and prophecy as well. Behold, a virgin, Isaiah would say in chapter 7 and verse number 14 of Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall bring forth a child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. 
So in chapter number one, he begins by highlighting the, geo the geology, geology that genealogy that Jesus fulfills, but also the, the proclamation of a virgin birth. In chapter number two, he talks about these wise men or these magi having confirmed that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. The wise men, the magi, these individuals who were looking out intently for the Messiah were able to confirm that Jesus the Christ was in fact the Messiah that was promised. Not only in chapter 2 do we see the confirmation of the Messiah, but we also get some parallelism that starts throughout the book of Matthew of showcasing how Jesus parallels to Moses. Well, who is Moses to the Jews? Moses was and is considered in, in Jewish antiquity and thought and theology as being one of the greatest prophets of, of all time. When you think about prophets within the confines of, of the Israelite history, you think Moses, you think Elijah, uh, uh, you even think individuals like Jeremiah. And, and so Moses stand, stands up there, especially when the parallelism has to do with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and now this leader figure also coming out of Egypt. In chapter number 3, we see that, that, that Matthew starts talking about the fact that Jesus uh, would, would come through preparation of the preaching of John and also through proclamation of Yahweh himself at the baptism of John. For God would make the bold declaration at Jesus' baptism that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then we get to chapter number four and we see John, Matthew sorry, showcasing that Jesus would have done something that Moses and the Israelites or even Adam himself was not able to accomplish in their time, in their wilderness and in their garden. Jesus would be able to withstand the temptations of the devil for after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. But at the end of chapter number four, it would proclaim that Jesus would go on preaching the kingdom and preaching the gospel and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So by chapter 4, he showcases that Jesus would have begun his ministry. And as he begins his ministry, he begins his ministry in and with power. Watch this. Then we get to chapters 5 through 7, that, that period in, 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 in the gospel account that is, is highly known as and recognized as the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus identifies himself as an authority of teaching and a, an authority of how to guide people to the way of God and the will of God. So much so that at the end of chapter number seven, the, the multitudes are confounded and they, they are baffled at Jesus' teaching, not simply his teaching, but the way in which he teaches it. They conclude that he teaches as one who has authority and not like the scribes of the day. And that brings us to where we are in chapter number eight. And, and here we get a quick detailed description of an encounter that the anointed one has with a man who was an avoided one. In chapter number eight, we see Jesus in four verses have 
a quick encounter, though it was highly detailed, just in four verses, the anointed one, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, the anointed one, has an encounter with a man who was an avoided one. You, you do know what I mean when I say an avoided one, because as a leper, he would have had to avoid individuals, and individuals would have had to avoid him. So when the avoided one meets the anointed one, something needs to take place and something happens. Church, I have just one main point for us this morning from this text. And the main point I have for us is this. The one point I have for us is this. That Jesus is always willing and not just able now to address all of our deep-seated issues in life. I know he is able but a lot of people are able and yet are not willing. But here it is we find someone who was able and in his ability he was always willing to help deal with some deep-seated issues that every single person that came to him came with. And that helps me to recognize that Jesus is not just able, but he is willing. And I, I need first to appreciate that because when you know that the person who you are going to in Jesus is not only able, but he is willing, that should make it easier for us as avoided ones to go to the anointed one. So here it is in the text. I want us to appreciate this as we think about leprosy really, really quick. Leprosy wasn't like having just a broken limb or blindness or, or like many of the other diseases and, and sicknesses and ailments that Jesus, of course, in his ministry would have dealt with and would have healed. No, no, no. Though many of the sicknesses and diseases would all require healing, leprosy was one of those diseases that required not just healing, but cleansing in addition to the healing. It wasn't just about taking care of the flesh. It, it wasn't just about turning rotted flesh good and healthy, but there was something that was deeper beyond just the flesh, that leprosy, when one was dealt with in their leprous state, they weren't just healed. You now also had to be cleansed. Uh, that becomes important because it's in the cleansing that one is ushered back into the community of the faithful. It's in the cleansing that one now is ushered into the relationship with the Almighty. It's in the cleansing that the connection is made between the individual, the avoided, and the anointed. It's one thing to be healed, and I said this maybe months ago, it's one thing to be healed of an ailment, it's the next thing to be cleansed of your sins. And so when you look at this particular account, I, I want us to appreciate this, that leprosy becomes a physical picture of the spiritual effect of sin and disobedience in the world today. When one is in a state of sin and one is in a position of disobedience to Jehovah God, the image spiritually, the image metaphorically is an image of one who is laden and living with leprosy in his or her being. Leprosy forced an individual away from their families. Leprosy forced an individual away from their friends. Leprosy uh, forced an individual away from his or her 
community leprosy cause an individual not to have the capacity nor the ability to go into temple, go into synagogue, to worship with others. Leprosy created a situation where you were now avoided. And not only were you avoided, you had to avoid others. Here is the equivalency of the text in the book of, in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2. Uh, as, 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 as God is talking through the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel, they, they have become laden in sin. And even in their prayers, they find as if God is distant from them. They find that in their prayers, God, their prayers are bouncing off a wall. Uh, they, they, they think that God's air is stopped up. They think that God can reach down and deal with them and deal with their sin and deal with their situations. But but Isaiah makes it plainly clear that I want you to know that behold the Lord's hand is not short that he can save. Neither his ear clogged up that he cannot hear. But the problem is that your iniquity and your sins have separated between you and your God. So sin has been. Say has been. St sin still is. Say still is. And sin will continue to be, say it will continue to be, that will continue to be the problem from the very beginning of time until Christ returns. Sin will inevitably be the problem. But Christ will continuously be the solution. For every sin problem that you and I encounter, the only person that can help not just heal us but cleanse us is Christ. For every single crisis of sin that we have, and I need for us to understand that sin, though at the heart of things, creates some consequences and some crises that display itself in our physical lives as well. The reason why it is husbands and wives can't get along and can't get it together. The reason why it is we struggle with all kind of different substance abuses. The reason why we are mean and we are angry and we, we, we are ungodly in our lives and our living is because of sin, yes, but sin manifests itself in these very physical planes. You want to know why somebody gossips? Say it with me, sin. You want to know where, why somebody would easily kill someone that is different from them? Say it with me. You know why, why a man would go ahead and cheat on his wife? Say it with me. It's not the wife's fault. It's not the, the husband's fault. Say it with me. So sin manifests itself in all these different physical ways in our personal lives, our family lives, our community lives, do I even dare say even in the church life? Sin is at the heart of all of it. And, and, and a lot of times what we do is we want to deal with the symptom. So we think the key to not gossiping is simply not talking. And that's true. If you just shut your mouth, you will stop from gossiping. But the motivation behind the gossip and what comes out your mouth is actually taking place up here. So what we need to be doing is not just asking God to heal my tongue, but we need to be asking God to cleanse my mind. There is a difference between changing your mood and having a good attitude. There is a difference. You could be frown face now and put on a smile, but in your heart of hearts, you're still frowning. You could be talking to somebody right now who you know you don't have a good relationship with, but you're just trying to be cordial. We don't need people to just be cordial. We don't need people to just high five. We don't need people to just shake hands. We don't need people to do the necessary and give the hugs and the pat on the back. No, no, no. We want when you shake. We want when you hug. We want when you give high five that that comes from a place of love and forgiveness that comes and stems in the heart.
So Jesus has always been, and he, was, he will always be William Beard, the answer. But what it takes to bring about not just the healing that we need, but the cleansing that is necessary is his touch. Can I show you this in the text? Can I show you this in the text really quick? Watch this, watch this, watch this. There are three things that we learn between the encounter of Jesus and this leper. Three things. If you want to be cleansed, not just healed, but cleansed. If you want to be cleansed, there are three things I want us to, to notice really, really quickly in this text. Number one, don't avoid the anointed one. Don't run to everybody else and not run to Jesus. <laughs> As one who might be the avoided one. And many a times we have found ourselves, literally speaking, as people who other people avoid. You guys are looking at me funny. <laughs> Do you know that sometimes people avoid you? Oh, this has never happened to you, Daniel. That's great. Let me, let me. J J James, do you know that sometimes people avoid you? <sighs> Freeze, do you know sometimes people avoid you? You, you, you know that, right? We, we, we see it all the time. Listen, I, I know people that avoid me sometimes. And I, I've been in experiences where you're walking down, down the hall. Has this ever happened to you? You're walking down the hall. You're in the same hallway. This person is walking down on, from the other direction. You're walking and you're going in the direction that they're coming from. And all of a sudden, you, you know that they see you. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a snake, apparently, that's slithering up in the ceilings. <laughs> And, and, and they are just looking up. Maybe it's an angel somewhere up in the ceiling that they see. And all of a sudden, they start to look up in the ceiling. And the ceiling just has all the, 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 the paintings, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and they just pass you straight. That's avoidance. Or, you know, maybe that hasn't happened to you. But here's what has also happened to me. You know, you're walking down the hall again. Same hall. There's nowhere to go. You have to go down the hall. I'm going to that exit. You're going to this one. And there are two walls in a hallway, right? And so... We're both coming down the middle of the hall, and as soon as I know you see me because I see you, and I see you see me, all of a sudden, you become the paint on the wall. And you start to do all this kind of funny stuff and all that. Kind of, it's, it's avoidance. You, you, you go to a family reunion or a family gathering and you're on one corner of, 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 of the yard because you're trying to avoid this particular family member who is at the other corner of the backyard. You know what I'm talking about? Or you're sitting down at a table with some friends, but you're not really talking to that friend right now. And so he's at that side of the table or she's at that side of the table. So I'm going to put myself at this side of the avoidance is something that we always encounter. But here's what I want you to see. See this really quickly with me. Do not avoid an encounter with Christ if you are seeking healing from your deep-seated issues. If you're truly struggling with some things that, that ibuprofen can't help with. If you're truly struggling with some things that pain meds really can't deal with. If you're struggling with some things that, that just talking to some counselor or some friend or whatever can't really help you with. If you're dealing with some sin in your life or some deep-seated issues, don't avoid the one person who could touch you and cleanse you of your infirmity. And that person has been, is, and will always be Yeshua. I don't know if we understand the power in that name. Could you say Yeshua with me? Yeshua. Yeah, don't just say Yeshua. Say Yeshua. 
I need first to understand that there is power in the touch, but there is also power in the name. I hear Paul say, for there is no other name under heaven and earth whereby men shall be saved. That's Yeshua. Preach it with me. Say Yeshua. So in as much as the name is powerful, his touch is that much more powerful as well too because his touch is what gives us not just healing, but say it with me, cleansing. His touch is able to take me from a position of being a sinner to now being considered to be a saint. His, his touch is what takes me from being an individual who has lost to now one who is found. His, his touch takes me from a position of being dead in sin to now alive in him. His touch not just changes my mood, but it, it changes my mind. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus our Lord. For his touch... Is truly a, represent, a representation of his name. And his name is great. I, I wish, I wish, I, I, I wish, I wish we could shout amen to that. His name is great. His name is wonderful. His name is almighty. Uh, an old preacher a mentor of mine used to say, listen, fathers need to, need to, need, need to uh, model faith for the family. Preachers need to model praise. Uh, and if you to get this in your psyche and get this in your spirit as a preacher this morning, I want you to know that God's name, Jesus, Yeshua, Jehovah, the Holy Spirit, they are worthy of our praise. They aren't just worthy because they blessed us this morning. Yeah? They aren't just worthy because we have clothes. They aren't just worthy because they, we have a house. They aren't just worthy of all the physical things. They are worthy simply on the basis of uh, uh, as they are God. So his touch is powerful. But his touch is a true reflection and true True, true, true reflection of his name. Don't avoid the anointed one. Number two, before you ask him to work for you, through you, and in you, learn to worship him. Be be before you could come to him with all the requests, come with a required gift. Before you could ask him to gift you something, come giving him something. Before you could ask him to work in your life and work for you, what about worshiping him? That, that's what the leper did before he came and he said, Lord, could you heal me? He comes and he worships Jesus. Uh, I, I think we need to learn that before we ask for something of God, we need to be willing to give something to him. Uh, and thirdly, as I close, some of you are already watching your watches. Thirdly, as I close... Not only do we not need to avoid the anointed one, not only do we need to learn to worship before we ask him to work, but also when he responds to us with favor. <laughs> we need to be willing to follow his instructions. Brother Morgan, I didn't see all that in the text. Okay. Let me read this to you. Then Jesus put his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, say immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, 
but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them all. After Yeshua has answered your request, after Yeshua has answered your prayers, after Yeshua has cleansed us of our sins, after Yeshua has brought us into communion with the Father, after Yeshua has touched us in his anointing to the degree that we are no longer the avoided ones, after Yeshua deals with us in favor, be willing, church, be willing, families, be willing, friends, to be obedient to his will and his word. Would you stand with me? Put your hand on the person next to you. And make this bold declaration to them, if you will. There is power in his name.